This is Mackenzie Milton. This is Steve Levy from ESPN. And you're listening to One Night Stand. And you're listening to One Night Stand. One Night Stand. Hey, c'est condition ça qui t'est passé. Just One Night Stand. Avant toute bagaille t'est commencé. One Night Stand. Pas de penser qui c'est ton stand. This is One Night Stand. Presented by First Watch, the official breakfast and lunch sponsor of One Night Stand. What up, Night Nation? It's our final show of 2021, and UCF is state champs. On today's show, we recap the Gasparilla Bowl and all the fallout from the 29-17 win over the Florida Gators. We also talk about the other bowl games a little bit. The SEC is currently 0-4 in bowl games. Do a little college football playoff preview. Uh, we talk about all the fallout from Miami, USF, Gator, FSU fans after the game. Also, a little roster updates. Uh, Clea Davis going to the NFL. We got a little basketball talk, playing Michigan tonight. And as always, a recap of Money Moo's picks. We answer all your questions on Moo's mailbag. Speaking of, I'm here with... Money Moo, UCF, got their dream matchup with the Florida Gators a few years early in the 2021 Gasparilla Bowl. With such an up-and-down season for both teams, they couldn't wait to get things kicked off, and Isaiah Bowser blasted into the end zone from three yards for the first watch, first score. Bowser was by far the most popular pick, but a big congratulations to UCF Don, Don Banks, for correctly guessing Bowser and three yards. UCF stayed poised against a tough SEC defense, but it was the Knights who prevailed in the end to become Gasparilla Bowl champions for the second time in three years. Gators 17, UCF 29. What a night. Night with a K right there. Um, I don't even know where to start, man. This last like seven days since this game have been the most fun I can remember as a fan, probably since like the Peach Bowl or the 25-game win streak. Um, and just overall, I can't remember feeling this good heading into an off season since probably after the peach bowl in 2017. And even then we had a big question mark, you know, losing Scott Frost. We end the season on a high note, a huge win over the Gators. That'll be three years of trash talk until we play them in Gainesville in 2024 and, you know, cap off a nine and four season that man, in the middle of the season, people were wondering if we could even make a bowl game. It's crazy to think about. Um, what a time to be a night, man. What are, what are your overall thoughts uh, now that we've kind of had a week to process everything? Yeah, a ton of positive things to take away from the season and, and just this game, too. But, you know, we'll start with the kind of buildup for this game. There's a lot of trash talk in between the two teams across the Twitterverse. However, a lot of us uh, that are kind of realists, I don't think we really uh, thought there was really nobody that thought that we were going to go in there and kill them, right? I mean, it's, a t- it's still an SEC team, even though they were 6-6. Six and six, We knew that we weren't bringing our best team uh, because of all the injuries, but we knew that we had overcome adversity throughout the year, and this was just one more step. Now, going into the game, physically, I thought that uh, – it would definitely be a lot more UCF fans than UF fans. I was quite surprised to where, you know, in my opinion, I think it was pretty close to 50-50. What do you think? Yeah, it seemed almost right down the middle, to be honest. And, 
know, we'll talk about this later, but anyone that says they didn't care about the game, I mean, <laughs> the Gators sold it out within two days. They didn't even sell out a couple of their own home games in Gainesville. So this game meant everything for both sides. Both sides knew exactly what was at stake. Both sides had a lot of injuries and, like you said, adversity to overcome. I thought it was an even match heading into the game, you know. I thought anything could have happened. And, um, you know, the game was really kind of a tale of two halves. Um, I mean, to get back to your point, you know, it was it was about even on the uh, – on the, on the fan turnout for both sides. Also coming into it, you knew that the offense was going to have a slow start. It just is what it is. Even going back to the bigger bowl games like we've had, you know, the Peach Bowl, the beginning of the game was a terrible. I think Milton started like 2 of 10 or 2 of 12 um, in that game. And same thing happened here. You know, we, we get the first down on the first play. And then basically three and out, another three and out. But, um, you know, at the half in the Peach Bowl, we were only up 13-6. And it was kind of, you know, iffy. We were playing well, but not super well. Um, and it almost happened just like the Peach Bowl as well. Like, we come out of the half and the Gators scored just like Auburn scored back in, in 2017. So, But then it was all UCF in both games. For the most yeah, part, this game actually could have gone two different extremes. Like Emory Jones missed a ton of opportunities. Um, that for first, them, I that first fourth down they went for it was like fourth and six. He had uh, what's that really good receiver? I don't know. He had him wide open on like a ten yard hitch. Literally, no one within ten yards any direction, and he throws a bomb. I think it was like a, a go route to this other guy back shoulder throw and it was actually really good and the guy just dropped it and it was kind of weird for them to take a deep shot on fourth and six but that's one right there that you know uf at one point would have been up 14 to nothing so and there were some yeah, other so missed throws too like you said there was missed opportunities for both teams um you know ucf was in the red zone three different times and came away with field goals on each one of those i think we were in actually at goal to go two of the times and both times with a field goal, you'd think with Bowser in a goal to go situation and some of Gus's interesting play calling, the Gatewood. We'd be able to, we would be able to, you know, punch it in, but what was the Gatewood? You know, okay. So I, I didn't, I we didn't see it in person, obviously how bad that was. Okay. Here's my thoughts on the Gatewood, the play call. I actually liked it. The execution was piss poor. First off, why are we throwing to Nate Craig Myers? Like, why wouldn't you put Hescock or Holler in, in that situation? In for that play, yeah, especially because he's a blocker. Also, when you throw a jump pass, it's not supposed to be like a dart <laughs> at the guy's knees. <laughs> like, how I bad know. is that? I know. That, that could have been a pick. That could have changed. There's, there's a ton of plays in this game that could have changed the, the whole outcome. But, you know, that's, that's football. how football is. Yeah. <laughs> there was those, um, and you mentioned the red zone trips, but also Obarski, you know, three for three on his field goals under 50 yards. Uh, he missed and you know what? That that 51-yarder actually had the distance. I was impressed. It was it was not a, a terrible miss. He just pushed it a little right. I mean, yeah. even Hall of Famer Matt Prater does that every now and then, so... He does no Obarski. I, I was I was proud of Obarski for this game. That was he's he stepped up, man. He was clutch. Those are you know nine really important points. And then to go back on the you know the plays that could have went either way, 
we had the onside kick that we pretty much recovered, and then the Gator guy got it at the bottom of the scrum, and then the Gators had that weird like line drive kick off our guy's helmet, which I have no idea how we ended up with that one back because it went straight to like six different Gators, and somehow we ended up with the ball. But those are two plays that would have really changed the game too. Yeah, a couple of the bigger standouts for UCF, it was really no surprise. You know, um, Isaiah Bowser being pretty close to 100% healthy, it seemed. Um, Toting the rock, just like in Boise State, 35 carries, uh, 155 yards, just a very impressive downfield runner. You could really tell, too, like near the end of the fourth quarter, he kind of gets better as the game goes on. Um, More like a Derrick Henry type of just plowing it right up the middle. but And when everyone else is tired and stuff, too. Yeah, and especially, you know, that late game situation, if we have like a fourth and one or, or even a third and three, like him picking up those first downs is clutch. And then Gasparillable MVP Ryan O'Keefe. I mean, what more can you say? The dude is, is an unbelievable playmaker. Um, Gus is madly in love with him. But it's fine because, uh, you know, the kid can play. You know, I, I try to always, like, take UCF players and imagine, like, what, you know, compare them to an NFL type. And I was tr- having trouble figuring out who Ryan O'Keefe reminds me of, but I think I figured it out. He's like a Tyler Lockett. That's like a, Tyler yeah, Lockett. I like that. He's a little bit of a smaller receiver, but he seems to always be open. and Big plays. He, Big plays. Um, he could be a volume guy, but he could also be like a one play, seventy-four yard, you know, and a touchdown guy. So, I, th- I think O'Keefe is like our our Ryan Lockett. Really, when you Tyler. look back, like even his freshman year, T- Tyler doing, Lockett or Tyler. Lockett, You're thinking sorry. of uh, Ryan Lochte, the Gator yeah. swimmer. <laughs> <laughs> even you look back at his freshman year, his production has gone up every year, and um. He's he's just a truly special player, and I really can't wait to see even next year what 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 he's capable of. He's he's awesome, and then you know the fifty four yard, which we didn't figure this out till like the next day, but that you know the the touchdown pass where he, where he threw up the deuces for Otis, and then we found out the next day that it happened to be the exact same yardage as the Otis play in Memphis when he did the same thing, fifty four yards. Like, what are the chances of that, man? Like. That's just that's that's the kind of stuff that you know really makes you believe in in some kind of higher power up there. Otis definitely watching down, but that was incredible. Um, one other thing too, going back to Bowser, is the O line, especially in the second half, was really really getting a good push, and that definitely is helpful. You know, when you're not getting hit behind the line of scrimmage, the line's moving the line of scrimmage forward, and you know Bowser can get a full head of steam into his first contact on the next level. Uh, so shout out to them. They had a bunch of nice pancakes, too. Uh, yeah, that was cool. I don't know if you follow Coach Hand, the oh, offensive yeah. line coach. He was breaking down some of the plays, and I really couldn't believe. Like, It, it was hard for us to see like what the, the line was doing where we were sitting. But We don't watch the line. We watch the ball anyway yeah, for the most it, part. It, it's, it's pretty impressive to see what this line can do um, against bigger, stronger guys i mean that's not a dig again that's not a dig against ours they're just an sec line is bigger than our line yeah um but yeah it was an ihop game for him international house of pancakes 
because there was some that you know Paule and Cole Schneider and Marcus Tatum that I mean they were just mowing these dudes down there was some good and, ones. um you know having Bowser there really to take advantage of that was awesome so I wanted to talk about uh the offense a little bit and we haven't talked about our stud quarterback Mikey Keene how about no turnovers you figure a freshman uh quarterback in this situation hasn't really played against this or with this big of a crowd you know I know the USF game was basically a sellout but this was a pretty full Ray J and a big uh time game for him so you know he took a couple of hits a couple big hits actually yeah and uh i was impressed he got right back up you know we gave up some sacks it's gonna happen but the the dumb mistakes were not there which is par for the course for him um we just kind of got used to it that you know a freshman quarterback usually makes a lot of mistakes but you learn from it but um I think Mikey did a great job of managing the game. He he didn't he didn't necessarily like make an amazing play to to win us the game, but by not losing us the game, I think that really stands out um, going forward for him and growing um, being our quarterback for next year. I agree. He didn't make any uh, you know. There's different kinds of interceptions, and you know some are just bad throws. But some are like, you know, no one's open and you're kind of scrambling around trying to force something to happen. And those are what you hate to see. And he wasn't trying to do that at all. He threw the ball away when it wasn't there. And he also didn't take any unnecessary sacks. Like, yeah, he, he took some sacks, but there weren't any where he was just holding on to the ball for too long. So game manager, you don't mean that in a bad way, obviously, but you're right. He, he did what was needed and, you know, he made some good throws and didn't lose us the game. And, uh, it was a great effort from from everyone overall. But, you know, you look at his stats for the year, 17 touchdowns, only six interceptions. Uh, couldn't ask for anything better than that. I mean, 63% completion. He did really well, in my opinion, for just kind of being thrown into the fire as a true freshman uh, with big shoes to fill, too. So shout out to Mikey Keene, man. It'll be exciting yeah. to see how he can progress from year one to year two because, you know, we all know that's the, the biggest jump that quarterbacks can make in college. Yeah, and I was saying this before the game even started. You know, he's probably pretty tired of hearing all this, oh, transfer portal, who are we going to get, blah, blah, blah. Tommy Castellano's coming in. Like, this is still the number one seed going into, the, you know, there's going to be a competition in spring. But yeah, it's his, I, I would put my money, it, it's Keen's job to lose, exactly. That That's exactly how I feel. Yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, iron sharpens iron, obviously. we always You always have to have a good recruit. And when you lose a transfer, you need to gain one back, especially because, um, what's that guy's name? Brito. Yeah, Brito's, Brito's transferring too. So we've got Navarro, Keen, and then Castellanos, and that's it, I think. So we definitely need to get a transfer. And it's I think Mikey knows it's not like a shot or an indictment of him. It's just we need more experience in the QB room, plain and simple. Uh, but great season by Mikey. Um, all right. What else from the game? Defense played really well, too. Uh, led by, well, a lot of different guys, but Tatum Bethune played well, as he does every week. And, you know, we had 11 stops on third down. They were 2 for 13. So a lot of stops. And then 0 for 2 on fourth. So, 
you know, they, they really stepped up when needed in the crucial situations. I think the crowd played a, a big hand in that. Uh, what were your thoughts on the defense? Who stood out to you, Moo? I think on the D-line, got to give it up to the meatball, Cam Good. <laughs> I don't know. That's my little nickname. He looks like a meatball. looks like a meatball. But, uh, He's got, like, the jersey always, like, way up, like, over his belly, too, which adds to the uh, the meatball effect, definitely. He's so compact. <laughs> but uh, anyway, no, he played lights out on the line, man. And then, um, obviously, you know, one of my favorite players, linebacker, Tatum Buffoon. But the secondary played awesome, which they've improved almost every game this year, I think. And it was our biggest question mark coming into this year. Um but a guy that really doesn't get a lot of publicity, but I, I think he played, he was the best that played in this game was Devontae Brown. He had three pass breakups and a tackle for loss. But when I rewatch the game, I don't look at the box score first. So I tend to look at who's around the ball, who's making the tackles. You know, did the receiver drop it or did they actually like make a good play on the ball? And I got to say, Devontae Brown was. That was probably one of the best performances that I've seen individually from our secondary for this year. You know, everybody played well in the secondary, but I got to give it up for him. And especially only being a sophomore, like I'm excited to see what he does in the offseason. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, a couple other guys, too. The safeties played really well. Uh, Bullard, Lester and uh, Devad Wilson. I think, you know, the secondary just in general really, really improved from beginning to end of the year as they should um as you know they continued to mesh and, and practice together and uh Tremont Morris Brash played a really really good game too and you know it's it's almost not fair to to name these guys I mean everyone everyone really stepped up against a Gator team that has shown can be really really prolific on offense at times this season so shout out to the defense shout out to everyone man this was just a great team win special teams offense defense overall fans everyone like I said at the beginning, man, I just I haven't felt this great in a long, long time going into an off season. Yeah, and also too, just going back to the secondary real quick. I don't think we have a single se- senior in the secondary, so they're barring any transfers, they're just going to continue to get better. Whereas, like a team like Cincinnati is losing, I think their entire secondary. Yeah. But they're all ready for the NFL, basically. So Kobe Bryant, Sauce Gardner, yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, some other stuff from the game. So we both rewatched the broadcast after. Um, I can't believe they didn't mention Otis at all. Not once. Do they not do any production meetings? I mean, even if you're not, like, they're not the announcers, but, like, some producer or something – like, you meet with the team. This is what you do. You sit down with the coaches and a couple of the players, and you're like, hey, like, what's the vibe? You know, what are the big storylines heading into the bowl week? Like, nothing. There's a, you know, we had a helmet sticker for it, and that's just inexcusable, and it's honestly stupid for ESPN. Like, I was expecting, I mean, if not like a little kind of, you know, two-minute Tom Rinaldi piece or something, but at least a mention of it, uh, they probably just didn't prepare at all. And and then on top of that, they were clearly very pro Gator during the game, but that's not surprising one bit. Uh SEC. I, I didn't really think they were. You didn't think so? I they kept I talk- thought they showed like the Gator fans more, but I think that was just because the camera was pointed that way. We were right in the middle of the action and I only saw like the back of my head once. Yeah, we were <laughs> that on the, was it. We were on the wrong side for that. But I mean, 
you know, they have the camera guys go around and do shots like the cheerleaders and stuff. And I didn't really see any of that. It was all Gators. I didn't see any UCF. But, you know, again, they're probably pandering to what they think is a much bigger audience on TV watching, which I guess would be more Gators. But at the same time, you're not going to, like, turn it off because they're showing the other team, which is stupid. Right. Um, well, I mean, they have their own network just for this conference. It's yeah, not, that's fair. Okay. It's not a hidden thing. No, like, I'm not. I'm not surprised. I'm just I'm just pointing stuff out. But you know, uh, there's much bigger things to be mad about. Um, anything else from the game? Yeah, I wanted to talk about the emotion that we saw on the field. Oh yeah, um, big emotion. You know, it was a ton of. I don't have the exact number, but I feel like there was a ton of unsportsmanlike conducts. There was some taunting. Um, Tyron Hopper for the Gators, who when I rewatched it, this guy was making a ton of plays. At the beginning of the game, he's, ejected. Yeah, he's for their throwing best player. A punch. He's probably their best uh, player. That that really wasn't really a punch, but it was like a shove. Pretty, unne- pretty unnecessary. And then, of course, you had at the end of the game, which was a basically an all-out brawl between <laughs> Tatum Bethune and some other guy. That like, guy came up and punched him in the back of the helmet. Yeah, but then they both had each other's face masks, and that's tough. It to could have got it could have got pretty ugly at the end of the game. I know in the stands, there was a lot of trash talking. We, you know, we were in the middle of the, the UCF section, but I can only imagine. I saw some people posting some videos on Twitter, of like some pretty pissed off Gator fans there at the end. And uh, yeah, it, it got pretty dicey. Pissed off fans, pissed off players, and people are still trying to say that they didn't care about the game. Yeah, right. Yeah. Hey, I would well, I'd probably, just say, I'd probably okay, say the so, same if I were them, but yeah, go ahead. So my parents came over for Christmas, and you know, obviously, they're diehard Gator fans. But, but they, they do cheer for UCF any game that they're playing. So and, and they I, listen I to the show, by the way. Yeah, I don't like to like rub it in or anything. There was not a whole lot of trash talk before the game. But man, when they came over Christmas, they did not even <laughs> mention one word about, about it. <laughs> and usually me and my stepdad will talk college football like all day long they didn't mention one word the whole time and i just kept silent <laughs> it was so hard so but, I, uh, I thought i said was, something i don't know it was funny i thought i said something to your stepdad so i went back and pulled up our text and it's funny because i think he pocket dialed me during the bucks game a couple weeks ago and here's here's my text to him uh, this is on wednesday at like noon I guess I called him on accident. I said, whoops, pocket dialed you. My phone sensed a scared Gator fan. <laughs> Ouch. And he, he said, disgusted, yes, scared, no. <laughs> that was that was on Wednesday. So I guess that was a little bit of trash talk. But, uh, hey, I mean, you know, it is what it is. That's, that's funny. But, you know, like I said, we've got three years of trash talk. And, you know, the best thing is, is when we meet in 2024, it's going to be the beginning of the season. We'll all be fully healthy. And both of these new coaches will have three to four years of their recruits under their belt. So there's going to be no excuses, man. This game. Dude, the hype. You thought there was hype for this game. <laughs> we can start hyping that game right now. I wish. Can, can we buy tickets? Be three years of hype. <laughs> I can't wait, man. It, it's going to be awesome. Uh, I, the tickets are going to be insane. Oh, the tailgate's going to be insane. Gator, Gator tailgates are fun, man. They do it, they do it big up there, like. You know, I could I could see that being a game day game. You know, a little kickoff action. We might, you know, both be top 25 starting out. You know, we put a couple more of these decent seasons together, and 
we'll become one of those teams that gets like the preseason automatic top 25, you know, no matter how bad they sucked. It's like Florida State every year, Miami every year, they're in the top 25. Like, Texas. For what? Yeah. For what? You know what's crazy? Michigan only had 12 votes received for the AP poll going into this season. 12 votes received. Like they weren't, they were on the bottom of the others receiving votes. And now they're in the college football playoff with a good chance yeah, to win it. Nuts. But you know what I was thinking? Is there a chance we may be backdoor at like number 24, 25 at the end of, uh, End of season AP poll, or is that is that too crazy? Uh, I think with four losses, no. I think if we only had three, it would definitely be a chance. Yeah, that's fair. Um, that Navy loss, man. Yeah, dude. <laughs> you know, if you go back, really, if we could just get that Navy. I mean, we we had a good season. I got we, no. We complaints. had a very good season, but if we could get that Navy game back, I think you could argue this as being a great season it was really do it was a great season dude the navy was a very good season the the navy game happened you can't lose to navy and it'd be a great season especially when we had the lead we had a 10 point lead in the fourth quarter it that was this is not hypo it was a 13 point lead in the fourth quarter it was an awful loss but that was the state of our program at the time and you know i think you're right that was a terrible loss but if not for that loss, I don't think we really band together and really come in strong in those last like eight games, win six out of eight. You know what I'm saying? Like I think we really need like the I Louisville game sucked, too. but like we really needed a punch in the face, like the Navy game. Because we kind of had excuses from the Louisville game, but the Navy game was like a huge wake up call. And I think we kind of used that to get the momentum going and turn it into a winning season. I think it was a great season. I, I wouldn't change a single thing. So, all you know, things it's pretty considered. interesting too. I love the what ifs. Um, what do you think if like one play I told you like changed the trajectory of our entire program for the next like two to four years? I mean, the collarbone injury probably did, or the the, the the pick six. I guess it was it was the pick six. Yeah, pick six collarbone injury. You know. Yeah, same kind okay. of they, one, same two thing. plays. Yeah. Two plays in a span of 30 seconds, yeah. you know, because well, yeah, ultimately what, DG would not be transferring. He could still have wanted to transfer. I mean, it seems like he kind of wanted to anyway, if you think about it. It sounds like his mind was made up and he didn't want to come back when he was healthy. So that makes you wonder. I, I don't know. It will, We'll never really know, but, you know, everything happens for a reason. I think we do this once a year about, you know, the <laughs> start off with the 0-12 and, 12 and Frost and Milton and you know all the million things that could have happened anything in that 2013 season goes different we don't make the Fiesta Bowl and it changes the program forever and there's a lot of those moments and you're right that's definitely one of them uh I think someone submitted a question about that later so one more thing I did want to mention is you know we did an awesome job at getting our explosive plays back um you know, the back in the frost and hypo days where it like every other play was like a 65 yard bomb or like <laughs> one play, 72 yards, like for this entire season, even when DG was with us for the first couple games, we really didn't have a lot of explosive plays. In my opinion, explosive play is 30 plus yard gain. So for the entire season, I'm throwing out Bethune Cookman and UConn because they don't really count. We only had one game this season where we had more than two 
30-yard gain plays. Huh. Against the Gators, we had five. So That's when huge. our big play guys are healthy, Bowser, O'Keefe, Johnny, it, you know, getting those explosive plays back really makes Gus's somewhat questionable play calling a little bit more tolerable. Flash now you too. go back and think maybe some of the play calling didn't really change. We were only just like a broken tackle or two away from, you know, a two yard loss being a 40 yard gain, yeah. which is true. But, you know, for us to bring back these explosive playmakers, Johnny Bowser, I think Bowser, if he decides to come back, I think he will. He loves UCF. He would still be in the running for the number one seed. Johnny's not really a like every down back, but I could see him being like a five carry, um, a five carry a game back. And he's pretty explosive in the the passing game too. Screens. He had a really long reception. He's very hard to bring down. And I feel like every time he gets tackled. He gets up and he's like so pissed off that like he knows he could break he could have yeah. broke that one too. <laughs> I think he had he had one long run and then that long catch and on that catch he did like almost one too many cutbacks and got stuffed by the Gator guy. But I think he knew if he just kept going upfield he probably could have got like ten more yards. As far as Bowser coming back, I hope he does and he definitely loves UCF. But you know, looking at a running back, he's already kind of older and. He's taking, I mean, he's getting a lot of wear and tear, 30-plus carries a game. And, you know, that the average uh, career of, like, a starting NFL running back is only goes up to age 29. So I think he's probably going to look at that. And I don't know. It'll be a tough decision for him. I, I can't blame him for, for going to the NFL. Oh, um, one other, like, super funny thing I noticed, a similarity between this and the Peach Bowl. Was, remember in the Peach Bowl when Killens got, like, body slammed? By uh, yeah, I forgot the Auburn dude. I thought he broke dude. his neck, but I think he's in the NFL. But then, like Tatum Buffoon, like by <laughs> the Gator guy in this one, it was kind of like the changing of the guards. Like it was funny it's... that like we were the more physical team. Yeah, he didn't. At least he didn't <laughs> drop him straight down on his head though. Like yeah. I was worried for AK on that, and luckily it was okay. Uh, Bethune just kind of suplexed the guy, which was that was one of our penalties, definitely. Um, yeah. All right. Let's talk a little bit of the fallout on the internet slash Twitter afterward. We won't go into it too much because we've all read it, but we were getting hit by every fan base, you know, uh, at UCF sports info always puts out some good graphics. He did a state of Florida or Florida state champs graphic with, you know, the different scores, how FSU beat Miami, UF beat FSU and we beat UF and that. I got some Miami fans really, really pissed off, which was very interesting coming from a team that's 1-10 in 10 in their last 11 bowl games and hasn't won a conference championship since 2003. That's four presidents ago, for anyone who's counting. Um, and then the Gators had their you know usual excuses too. Uh, one of my favorite ones, I don't know if this got a lot of traction, but this one guy was like, his whole response to just me saying state champs was, Four stars are a dime a dozen. Call me when y'all get fives. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so like, okay, we won, but you have better recruits, which is funny because then why didn't you kill us? Because UF has 54 four-star recruits in the last four years, and UCF has a whopping two. Another popular one was, we only practice seven times, the Gators said, which, I don't know, it sounds like a personal problem. Uh, 
Yeah. I mean, you had the whole season of practice. Like, yeah, I, I, this was not if this was the first game and you had a whole bunch of freshmen. Look, I know they had a lot of opt outs and everything, but their second string guys are still really, really good. Yeah, it, that's what it comes and down to. It's not to. like we were 100 percent healthy either. You know, we had a lot of people that weren't there. I think Gus in the post game interview said that we had 27 guys that were with us and at the beginning of the year that either due to injury or transfer, not there for the game. Yeah. And I'm sure seven guys, how many guys do we have on team? I I think we have like about a hundred or so. Um, But I mean, you, you have probably had a similar number and that's the thing. Like the excuses were pretty equal for both sides. Um, You know, at the end of the day, we just, we beat them. We beat them pretty well. Yeah. They'd be saying the same exact thing if they won. Oh man. You know, we didn't belong, and then this, and then that, and exactly. blah, blah, blah. They would have said, we won despite all these things. Like, so imagine how bad we would have beat you. It's like, shut up. Get out of here. We'll see you in 2024. Um, all right. Let's move. Uh, talk about the rest of college football a little bit. I guess it's kind of relevant. So after that, uh, after the Gasparilla Bowl, uh, someone tweeted this out. Actually, it was Landon Barimo. So since 2010, the SEC had only lost to G5 teams in bowl games six times, and UCF was three of those. Now there's been two more, um, and the SEC is 0-4. In, oh, no, actually, SEC is 1-4 in, in bowl games as South Carolina just pulled off the upset versus the Tar Heels in the Duke-Mayo Bowl. Oh, dude, they're going to do the Mayo thing. Uh, the winning coach gets a, a Gatorade bath of mayonnaise. I can't wait to see this. Um <laughs> It doesn't look like he has any mayo on him yet, but they're doing the interview, so I don't know if I missed it. Um, it, uh, it doesn't look like he has any mayo. Oh no, on dude! Him yet. They, 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 the camera. I think they're listening to me. The camera just panned to the uh, yellow Duke's mayo Gatorade cooler that's on the trophy oh. stage. How do you clean that up, like, dude? After, that's gr- it's not even like you just is it dry turf off or grass. How do you clean up mayonnaise on turf? Dude, so uh, <laughs> nasty. Yeah. did you see the Cheez-It Bowl yesterday? The Clemson one, and he got a Cheez-It Bowl bath. And I was like, that's... Well, I guess you can just vacuum it, actually. That's not that big of a deal. Uh, but anyway, uh, what I was getting to is there's been a lot of talk, about, especially among like the talking heads in college football. Some are saying there's too many bowl games. Um because there are a lot of bowl games, but I think they're fun, and I think more football is good. But, you know, what they're saying is that, you know, no one really cares. All the players are opting out, and they think it's kind of stupid. I don't know. What are your thoughts on are there too many bowl I think bowl there's games? a lot of bowl games, but, I mean, it's good for the students. It's kind of like a, it's kind of like a f- more fun away game trip for us. Like, they're probably going to somewhere they've never been, you know, us or Ray J, but um well it, it's huge for the student athletes and you know for a lot they get of them some cool swag you know they get some cool swag from the you know whoever the sponsor is or whatever it, it's also like, it's another game to if you're not going to the nfl to showcase you know what you got yeah or just these a, guys could be battling for a you know a position or battling for the starting position of next year and if you're not giving a hundred percent in the bowl game they're gonna see that on tape yeah, and not only that, for a lot of these seniors, it's like one final goodbye. And, you know, you get caught in the week-to-week of the regular season, and all of a sudden it's over. Then you kind of have time to gather your thoughts and look forward to one last bowl game. And, you know, bowl week's so much fun. Talk to any player. They have 
all kinds of stuff going on, events and stuff. And, you know, like you said, they get a bunch of swag and it's a really cool thing. And I get that, you know, they, the playoff kind of killed them because now, you know, before it was like, all right, the bowl games meant like a lot. Even if you didn't make the national championship game, like the Rose Bowl, everything, it was huge, even the lesser ones. And I get the playoff kind of took a little bit away from that, but some ways you could kind of, I guess, bring back the uh, importance of bowl games. One, regional matchups like the Gasparilla Bowl. That was awesome. Who wouldn't want that? Well, actually, I don't think the Gators are ever going to do that again. But like this, even the South Carolina, North Carolina game, that had good attendance and, you know, awesome rivalry kind of game. So I think the regional matchups. And then I think, like we talked about before, the fun sponsors and stuff make it cool too. But I think the biggest thing you could do and this would be a total game changer. You pay the players for the game. I don't know the amount that would make it necessarily worth it, but I'm just going to use these for as an example. You pay each player on the winning team 10 grand and each player on the losing team 5 grand. So now you've got an incentive to play and not opt out. You've got a huge incentive to win and you've got a big incentive just to make a bowl game. And I think with a couple things like that, all these games that, you know, uh, some of them are random and, and stupid and weird places, but I think it'd make them a lot more fun than they already are. So. Yeah. I mean, it, it's I, college football is weird, man. It, it, it's, it has a lot to do with the sponsorships and you know, how many bowls there are. Like, I don't even understand like the parade people for Gasparilla, like sponsored the bowls. Like, what did they get out of it? There's already a shit ton of people that come to the to the parade. The parade, uh, well, it's probably the city of Tampa is what I'm guessing. But I mean, a lot of people don't know what Gasparilla is, uh, like yeah, o- outside of the state of Florida. My, my sister was asking me about it. I'm like, it's the second largest parade thing other than Mardi Gras. Um, you know, so in that sense, it's cool. It, it gives publicity to to Tampa and everything like that. Um, yeah, I don't know, but. I don't want to get rid of all the little bowl games because even though they're silly and stupid, like you said, they, it gets a fun vacation for a lot of fans and definitely the players, but to places that you probably never, ever get to visit. It's like a weird away game. Um, so two other last remaining bowl games are the college football playoff semifinals on Friday, New Year's Eve. So there's Georgia versus Michigan in the Orange Bowl down in Miami, and then Bama versus Cincy in the Cotton Bowl and the winners advance to the national championship. Um, Let's start with Georgia-Michigan. What are your thoughts on this game? I think personally, I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I think Georgia's offense kind of stinks, but they really didn't have to do that much in the regular season. And then, you know, because their defense was so good, I think they gave up like seven points a game. And then when Bama scored a bunch, Georgia just couldn't keep up. Um, and I like Michigan as seven and a half point dogs. I think, I think it'll be a really close game and they might not win, but I like Michigan and the points. Uh, what are your thoughts on this one? Took the words right out of my mouth. I also <laughs> like Michigan and the points like Georgia. It could be a little bit skewed because depending on what you think, you know, the public, when they view, you know, super high profile games like them versus Bama and they get. It wasn't a trounce, but it was pretty close. You know, that tends to favor the other team, which the recency bias of Michigan absolutely destroying Iowa, 
who Iowa was pretty good this year, you know, that could be skewing the points a little bit more towards Michigan, where this could have been like a 10 to 12 point spread before, which is now only seven and a half. So I still, regardless of that, I still think uh, Michigan is the play here. Seven and a half points, you know, Georgia probably wins, but it's probably on like a last second field goal. I just don't want to see Bama and Georgia for the national title. I don't think anyone does, but you're right. You know, that the public not wanting to see that means they'll probably bet Michigan. And then also the recency bias means maybe it should have been 10 points. But it's so tough to handicap these teams from different conferences when, the you know, everyone's only been playing their conference schedule. So you kind of know how Michigan stands against Ohio State and Michigan State and the other teams. But when it comes to, you know, you cross over to the SEC, I just think it's it's tough to handicap. And uh, I think, you know, the bowl games might not be the best indicator, but it's certainly a, a bit of an indicator that the SEC might not be as good as we thought this year. I don't, I don't know. But, you know, that's why they actually settle it on the field. And uh, I think that's going to be a real good one. Um, and then the other game, Bama and Cincy. Bama, 13.5-point favorites. Uh, my first question to you is, as a UCF fan, what is the perfect outcome of this game? Are you rooting for Cincy to win, or do you want them to get blown out because they're kind of going to be our future conference rivals, or what are you hoping happens? So, yeah, I'm kind of torn between this. I don't know, man. If Cincy wins, it's like we already confirmed that the SEC isn't as good as they were. Maybe the top team is, but we we don't need Cincinnati to win to confirm that like we're not that far off from the Power Five. That's my whole thing. So I I hope it's close. Uh, I don't really want to see a blowout either way. I don't think we're going to see a Cincy blowout. Yeah, especially just it, it's too big of a stage for Ritter, man. We saw what he did last year against Georgia, and everyone's like, oh, they almost beat Georgia. They almost beat Georgia. Well, almost doesn't count. You either beat him or you don't, and they didn't win. So, like, I I just think Bryce Young is way too good of a quarterback to be. And and we'll see because has he played a secondary like this where their Cincinnati secondary possibly is better than Georgia's? Yeah, I agree. So a couple thoughts on this game. Um in terms of what I'm hoping for as a fan, so a couple different outcomes. I think, ideally, it's a close game, so it just cements the fact that since he can hang with Bama and that UCF, it, you know, we'll use this transitively even though it really, you can't prove anything from 2017, but it'll help our argument saying, hey, we really deserved a shot that year. Um, so I like it in that aspect. If they win, I mean, I hate seeing our rivals win, but it's kind of awesome at the same time. I think it's, I, I, I don't know. I'm not going to bet on this game. I, I will be rooting for Cincy. But one thing I do know, you know, like you mentioned, Bryce Young's really good. Georgia didn't get a single sack against him. And they didn't even get much pressure at all. And I think that was, you know, a huge factor. And I think, like you mentioned, Cincy's secondary is really good. Possibly, you know, better than Georgia's. And if they can get after Bryce Young, I think they can keep that game close. And then on the other side of the ball, I think Desmond Ritter... He's got to play like the game of his career, I think. And I don't know if he can do that. But if he does, then I think we have I think we have a good game if those things happen. It is a lot of points, but it could also be a Bama blowout. So 
I don't really like anyone, but I really like these games. This is going to be the first time I'm really invested in, in the playoff in quite a while, to be honest with you. Well, unfortunately, in like previous playoff games, there's usually one of the two semifinal games is a blowout. It always has been. Like almost every year. So I, to me, the the most probable thing that could happen is since he getting blown off the map. Um, can't really see Alabama getting blown off the map. I could maybe see Michigan. Just because, even, even though I just told you that's what I was betting on, it, it, it's... Uh, Georgia's going to be pissed yeah. coming in this game. <laughs> but think of this, though. I mean, this is a Bama team that... If that Auburn running back just doesn't go out of bounds, they're not even in the playoff, <laughs> you know? So, I don't know. And another thing, too, is UF and Georgia went toe-to-toe for almost the entire first half of that game. Don't don't forget that. So, I don't know, man. All signs are pointing to me that these teams are overrated. But, you know, anything can happen when really good coaches have a month to prepare for a game. Um, I don't know. We'll see. It'll definitely be fun to watch. All right. Um, now it's time for our favorite segment, Money Moves. Final Picks of the Week. Picks of the Week recap. First time saying this this year, I think. But 1-0, and oh, San Diego State plus 2.5. Fairly easy winner against UTSA. My other two games, unfortunately, got canceled. So, do we count those as wins? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Hawaii plus six and a half canceled against Memphis. And then East Carolina plus three. That's the one that I'm really pissed about because East Carolina hasn't been to a bowl game in seven years, man. Like, they were super excited to be in this game, especially going up against a Power 5 ACC opponent. It was the Fenway Bowl. They were – oh, no, it wasn't the Fenway Bowl. I forgot what bowl it was. I don't have it written down right here. But anyway, they they were pissed. Even quarterback Holt Naylor's like calling Boston College out on Twitter. Like this, we are so lucky that we got our game and we really are all this happened because Very I, I just don't even want to think about it. Yeah. But anyway, one and oh, San Diego State plus two and a half. I've already mentioned it, but I have one pick. Hopefully you listen to this soon because the game's on Friday. But I'm going to take Michigan plus 7.5 against Georgia. I think Georgia comes out pissed, but their offense really isn't that good. And Michigan hasn't been good in a long, long time. So I, I think they're, you know, they're ready to make the next step. And Harbaugh, like, I don't understand how he's kept his job for this long with them being, like, kind of subpar. But then all of a sudden they make the playoffs this year, and he's probably good for another ten seasons. Well, so I hate when these guys have like a couple off years. I mean, Michigan or Harbaugh wants to be a Michigan for life, and you can't be great every single season, especially when you have Ohio State. Well, I guess unless uh, you're Saban, unless you're Saban. But I mean, Ohio State has been. But here's the thing: when you get rid of someone that's like above average to take a chance that, you know, you're hoping for the next Saban odds are you get someone worse than the original guy. And I think Michigan fans have to realize that like they've got an alumni. That's a coach that loves the place and wants to be there for forever. Uh, and I, I yeah, got, I mean, I'm glad they didn't jump look, the gun on him. Look right here in this state. The, the Gators are paying like four <laughs> coaches ago because 
they just keep going after the next guy, the next guy, the next guy. Eventually, you have to just be like, okay, maybe it's not the coach's fault. Like, yeah, maybe you guys should have some. You have patience. to change something else. Like, coaching is a lot of it, but you know, that's what makes me so proud of UCF. It's like it's, you know, Gus does a lot, but it's a lot. Like, even the social media team, like best kids are looking. Kids are looking at this. Even the commercials we put out during the games, the people that give the campus tours, like this is a university wide effort to keep this thing rolling in the right direction. You know, Gus has a lot to do with it, but I'm telling you to give it up to freaking DeSalvo, his whole team, like Terry, that has a lot to do with it, man. It really does. I mean, that's, you know, you're, um, your public perception is based off of pretty much like your school's uni- or your university's social media team at this point. And, you know, our guys knock it out of the park, as we all know. One other thing, too, real quick. You know, UCF, we deal with the opposite of what the Gators do. We keep losing coaches to bigger jobs, and we've still been a consistently winning program and still, you know, we've exceeded expectations based off recruiting. And, I think that speaks volume of the program as a whole, not one coach, not one person, not one player. Um, I'm excited that, you know, I think we'll have Gus for at least more than two or three years, like the last two coaches, and I'm excited to see what he can build here. Um, All right. That was picks, I guess? Yeah. All right. That was it. So Michigan, (laughs) (laughs) back to the original uh, topic, Michigan plus seven and a half against Georgia. Let's get get that that money. money. All right. Last up, we've got Moo's Mailbag, where we answer all of your questions. Thank you guys, as always, for submitting. And please take a second, subscribe, rate, and review. iTunes reviews. uh, We're still leading the way in those, so appreciate you guys. All right. First question is from Dr. Jose Pants. Does Mikey Keene take that next step sophomore year a la KZ, or does Castellanos beat him out for the job or wild card transfer quarterback from I don't know where? What do you think? I think at this point, the a lot of the bigger name transfers have already found other homes. Um, so right now, we might get I, – I, I really don't think that one guy from Utah, Peter Castelli, I, I'm holding out for him. He was one of my top five gets uh at quarterback that i gave out a couple weeks ago but anyway it might be some lesser known person probably not going to be emory jones i really think emory jones ends up at like a like a fiu or an fau or something like that he just he's a good quarterback but like uh yeah he, he needs to work on his accuracy for sure yeah and run the ball more the two or three times he ran, it was – dude, this one play I got so pissed off at. Like, third and 18, we had him. They were in, like, the 50. Had an easy sack. Somehow he gets out of it and scrambles for 19 yards. Those are the most infuriating plays ever. Um, but yeah. anyway, back to the original. I, I think Mikey Keene does take his next step. Look, he, it's going to be a great competition. I know Tommy Castellanos is an insanely talented guy. Um it's hard for a freshman quarterback to come in and just start right away. But I think it's going to be, you know, like you said, iron sharpens iron. 
it's going to be a great competition. And, you know, don't forget about Navarro, too. Like, we haven't really seen him throw that much. We know he's good with his legs. So he can make a big impact over the offseason and maybe compete, too. What do you think? I like all three of the guys you mentioned. And, you know, transfer or not, I still think it's, you know, it's obviously Mikey's job to lose. You know, Castellanos was a stud in high school, but all these guys are really good in high school, you know, to get recruited here. And the thing that sucks is half of them don't end up being good after that. You know, it's kind of like the college quarterback to NFL transition. There's a lot of guys that are studs in college that just can't play in the NFL. And, you know, it's just that the game is faster. And obviously, moving from high school to college is a ton of distractions. And it just doesn't work out for a lot of guys. So, my money's on Mikey, and he's got some really good experience under his belt already. He'll have this whole summer to improve, and you know, heading into fall camp, I think he's going to be the guy. All right, this next question is from Broseph Stalin, 36. Does the boat have dip in his mouth for this picture? <laughs> Obviously referring to Blake Bortles, who was recently signed to the New Orleans Saints to back up, for whatever reason, Ian Book on the Monday night game. That was awful. Um, man, he looked good in black and gold again, though. I'll tell you what. Dip, I don't know. So I heard he bought a Tesla so that he wouldn't stop at gas stations <laughs> and buy dip because he was trying to quit dipping. Um, <laughs> but I heard it didn't work out that way. So I don't know. It looks like he could have a lip in, but who knows? <laughs> what an all-timer, man. Uh, another question while we're on the topic is, is the boat blackballed by the NFL give this man a start? Asked by Operator Gus. Um I don't think he's blackballed. He had two days to learn the Saints offense, although he couldn't have been much worse than Ian Book. Let's be real. Um, I hope he gets another chance, man, but there's a lot of competition for, you know, those jobs, and you really got to get lucky and have, you know, a couple people get hurt. But Do you still get a game check? Like, I don't know. Remember they said he was, like, golfing at Sawgrass or whatever, TPC in Ponte Vedra, and he got the call to, like, back up Jordan Love. Yeah, to be on the Packers. So what do you get, like 20, 30 grand or something? I think, I mean, what I think you get signed to like a league minimum, which is like 750. So he might have even got more. I, I don't know, like 18 or something. Yeah, something like that. Probably a nice little payday for literally doing nothing. <laughs> and you get like, <laughs> like flying up to Green Bay. And you, you get a, a nice, on. nice private jet and some cool <laughs> team gear. And I don't know. Yeah, whatever, man. Thanks, Blake. <laughs> yeah see you later but uh yeah i don't know hopefully he gets another shot but you know it's tough uh i really think he got a raw deal in jacksonville i mean that that organization is so dysfunctional they've never their play calling has been terrible they, they've had all this great talent and only had that one good season which you know people forget bortles should have been in the super bowl if they didn't blow that play dead when the patriots fumbled and miles jack brought it back for a touchdown they would have been up two scores with like no time left and uh I want that defense, that Jags defense was really good that year. I think they could have hung with the Eagles. Um, it, it would have been an interesting Super Bowl. Who knows, man? The what ifs, but uh, I don't know. All right. Next question is from UCF Jaguar. Speaking of the Jaguars, which recruit are you guys most excited for? Ah, it's tough to say. Uh, National Siding Day was recently had a ton of guys commit. Uh, officially so that's great a lot of the guys are super excited on the um on the twitter there <laughs> and on facebook and stuff so that's really cool to see everyone's super excited about ucf 
it's hard to take just one guy, but I think the most explosive player that we could see out of this class is wide receiver Quan Lee. Kid out of Gainesville reminds me a lot of our most recent receivers where he's super fast. He's not a huge guy. Kind of cool. He has his own like moving company. So he's got like a little side hustle too. But he's motivated. He, he's a guy that's extremely motivated. Um, he's always repping UCF. He's come to a couple games so far. Um, he's trying to recruit other guys. You know, I'll see like if somebody posts like, Oh, UCF's in my top 10, he'll always be commenting, like, come join us, man. You know, that I, I think Gus is like really, he's building up the team and, and it, it, and it's awesome to see in, in this day and age where it's like, everybody's about, Oh, me, me, me. And this, like, his team building, and, and Terry does this a good job of this too. And it's like, we're all a family here at UCF. Like, you can't just, you can't just go to a school like, oh, I want to go play for Billy Napier. Well, you know, Billy Napier's not going to be there in two years, maybe. Yeah. You know, but who is going to be here? It more than likely Terry. You know, Gus. I, Definitely. <laughs> Definitely, he's going to be here. At least the next two, three years. I mean, here's the thing, man. You know, this season, no one was really talking about him because we were average toward the middle, you know, when all the coaching stuff was going on. But we have a a good season next year, which I don't know if we will. You know, we're still kind of rebuilding. But the first time we have, like, you know, an MY6 type season, he's going to be the hot name. So just get ready for it. It's going to happen. Um, Hopefully by then. We have that Big 12 money, so we can really give him a big payday and make sure he's a knight for life. That's really what I'm hoping for here long term, and I think he wants to do it too. So, Who's your favorite recruit that you're <laughs> thinking about? I was like, what was this question again? So <laughs> my, my answer was going to be Quan Lee, and I mean, dude, he had put some awesome memes and stuff up, and he replied to one of the Gator players. Uh, the Gator guy, Siante Lewis, said, they finished, swear to God, they can play in the SEC after this with the facepalm emoji. And Quan Lee replied, I don't think y'all can either. Charge on and suck it up. <laughs> he, he's, been, he's been really active, but I got to go with um, Jordan McDonald, man. He, so like, he's the guy that had the, uh, the suit jacket with like the knights on the inside that he opened up at signing day. He does not look like a running back. He is huge. And then when you watch his tape, He's the biggest, fastest player on the field. And, you know, not like our normal kind of running backs, but kind of like a, a big bruiser, you know, probably like like a Bowser type. So I'm excited to see him, but we've got a lot of really, really talented guys. I think Gus did a really good job with this class. It's our best class ever. Next question is from Jaycox9892. What are the top five moments from this season? Oh, dude, I didn't even see this when we, we talked about maybe doing a, a Fab Five of that exact topic. Uh, all right, just off the top of my head, um, joining the Big 12, beating UF. Uh, that interception versus Louisville was pretty exciting. Um, the game is over. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude, US, USF, duh. I knew I was forgetting something. A top five moment. Yeah. <laughs> That was and awesome. I, I guess the O'Keefe. Oh, the O'Keefe up uh, into the end zone. Yeah, that's a pretty solid five right there, man. Um, I can't believe I forgot like the best two almost. But yeah, going to the Big Twelve and and the rest of those. That, it's been an awesome season when you look back, man. 
And just, you know, if you remember the sentiment, I remember it was us too in the middle of the year where we were like, oh man, I don't know. You know, the questions were like, is UCF going to make a bowl game? Like, is UCF going to beat USF? And uh, look where we are now. It's been an awesome year. All right. Next one will is... You, will you predict an undefeated season? <laughs> <laughs> is that a question? <laughs> um, I, I don't know. You will have to see, man. A lot can happen between now and then. Next one is from Ethan Edward, Professor Buttons. What's your favorite Quentin Tarantino movie? I'm not a movie guy. I know who Quentin Tarantino is. I could not name a single movie. Pulp Fiction? Off the top of my head. Okay, yeah, I mean. He doesn't do a ton of movies, but when he does, they're like real, like they're the kind of movies where you have to pay attention to every, like every line because like it all comes together. I don't have the attention span for that. Um, I guess Pulp Fiction then. Inglorious Bastards is that's one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, Never seen it. Oh man, dude, it's really, really, it's good, and it's also really funny. It's the one where Brad Pitt's the, uh, he's the uh, he works, he's an army guy, and he like kills Nazis, and it's like all about this plot to kill Hitler, and it's really, it's a good movie, and it's funny at the same time, which you don't see a lot of. Usually, it's kind of just one or the other. Highly recommend. All right, next question is from MD Knight 2016. Which sports get the biggest boost from the upcoming transition to the Big 12? Well, you know, you could look at this from a bunch of different angles. I mentioned the money before, which is going to help out football a lot, you know, help us compete with the rest of the P5. But the money coming in, it's going to help all the other sports too. And I think, you know, basketball might be the right answer for this one. Just being in the Big 12 is a top basketball. you know, they're like the SEC of basketball almost. I mean, they're really, really good. And that's going to bring our program up with Johnny Dawkins too, hopefully. Uh, what do you think, Moo? Yeah, I think the same thing. Um, football, I mean, that's the obvious answer. But I think basketball is where, you know, some people are like, oh, we're going to get slaughtered. We're going to get slaughtered. Well, a rising tide lifts all boats. Like yes, sir. This with especially with Houston and Cincinnati, like this will be a top three conference for basketball. You know, maybe the Big Ten and and the SEC or or the ACC. I'm sorry, uh, are there right with us? But to talk about defending national champion Baylor. Uh, you know, Oklahoma State's always good. Iowa State's always good. Kansas powerhouse. Yeah, Texas Tech made. I think a did they make a Final Four run a couple of years ago? Can't remember. Not a basketball guy, but <laughs> um, probably they they did. They did. I remember. I just know they I think they, they smoked I think Mississippi they the, State in the bowl game. Did they game. make the finals against Auburn when Auburn won? They might have. They at least made a. I know. I guarantee you, they made a Final Four in the last five years. The money move, but so did Houston. So. They, anyways, yeah, they were all right. So that dude, they were, yeah, they they were runner ups in 2019. You're right. Bam, guarantees. All right, last one's from Doctor Pharma. What should I buy with my plus two twenty five money line win? Hashtag oh, free money. Free money. Now I can't really take all the credit for this because I never actually told. Anyone to bet on UCF? Well, let's be real. I, I thought it was a 50-50 matchup, but where I did make you a ton of money 
was by not taking the plus seven. I broke this down on our Twitter spaces with you and Ryan Bass right before the game is that the money line was by far the better value than taking the points. UCF almost never covers and loses the game. They either lose by a huge amount or they win. So it it really didn't make sense to take the plus seven. I was money line all the way. I wasn't, a thousand percent sure that UCF was going to win, but I was a thousand percent sure that we were either going to win or get blown out. And it happened. So I actually had a decent number of people, you know, send me or tag me on Twitter saying that they took the money line. So follow. I, I love it. I At love when people money make move. money. So UCF. Yes. Good call. You but actually, what, what should you do with it? I, I don't want to say put it all on Michigan, but a little bit. <laughs> Pay off your student loans. I don't know. Buy your mom <laughs> something nice. Um, no, you actually inspired me to double my money line bet uh, during that Twitter space. So thank you. Thank you very much. It just made sense. It really did. I go by the facts, dude. It, it really did. I go by the emotion, but <laughs> the facts, hey, the facts sometimes are good. When you put them together, a lot of money's made. There you go. That's why they call him Money Moo, at Money Moo UCF. Um, all right. Let's wrap this up. Um, Kalia Davis announced he's going to the NFL. Wish him the best of luck. He sat with us at the Gasparilla Bowl. Um, Moo, was he bigger in person than you thought? Or yes, he's a massive well, human because, being. Like he kept like leaning. He kept like leaning over the whole time. I don't know that there was like a shorter person that was standing behind him. So oh. I feel like he was trying to like let them see, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, did we sit was, down at all? I did not sit down yeah. <laughs> for a single second of the entire like once I got out of the car <laughs> to like start tailgating. I got there about 3:30ish. I did not sit down for 1 second until I got back into the car at about 11. So that that was my legs were just toast. Um yeah. but anyway, now Kalia Davis, we wish him the best. Look, he I don't know where he's going to go in the draft. It's hard to say uh, with him. You know, he had the opt-out year. He ch- completely changed his position. Well, was he middle linebacker, or outside linebacker? He was, rec- he was recruited as a, a middle linebacker, which is like, you know, not a pass rusher, but like a smaller, smaller guy in the middle. And uh, he switched positions when we transitioned, I think, from the – I mean, he was here for three different coaching staffs. When we went from uh, – the you know Chenander's three four to the four three. He went to interior line, put on a ton of weight, did pretty well for his first year. You know, then he opted out, and then I mean he was just an absolute animal uh, in the few games this season. Then you know had the injury, which is unfortunate. But I think NFL teams will look at him and look at his history that he's only been at this position for a little while, and think you know this guy's got a lot more upside because you know the more you play a position the better you should get at it and you know under the right staff I think they can develop him into an absolute monster more than he already is so I'm 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 hoping a team will you know take a chance on him in the mid round so we'll see you know a lot can happen between now and then sucks the injury and you know he won't get a combine but uh he'll be back better than ever so best of luck to uh KD yeah I think something as like a late round flyer or even you know as an undrafted free agent We've seen a lot of guys, you know, come from UCF to be an undrafted free agent and actually have a decent career. Um, 
he just, in the NFL. So he just needs a shot because I I know he will dominate once he gets out there in NFL competition. Uh, guy just needs a shot. So absolutely. Um, anything else? Let's see. We talked about basketball real quick. We got Michigan tonight. Huge game. Almost. A, they've been saying it's almost a sellout for a while now. <laughs> what are we waiting on? Yeah, I don't know. Like, go to the game. We're not. We're not doing anything else. Probably should have went. I don't know. It's kind of far for me. And New Year's Eve no. tomorrow. And your daughter. Yeah. Does you have a daughter, sir. <laughs> Dude, the, me being able to even go to the Gasparilla Bowl is like insane. Like festivist miracle. The quickest trip. Like, I mean, any other time. Well, first off, it wouldn't have been even been able to go to the game because I'm usually working. Um, so me being off where it was just like this crazy series of events that happened where I was able to go, you know, fortunately my wife couldn't come up, but kudos to her for watching her daughter and letting me go to the game. Um, so that was awesome. I, I told her if it was any other bowl game or if it was any other team, I wasn't going to go, but I'm sure she was in Tampa. Yeah, she did. So it's all good No, but we had a. We had an awesome time. Thank you so much um, for your tickets. We had the best seat in the house by far. You owe me seventy three bucks. I sent it to you already. Oh, all right, <laughs> just double checking. Yeah. So basketball, Michigan. We had a decent win over North Alabama last week. Oh my God, they would not <laughs> stop hitting threes. Yeah, I've never seen a team hit this many threes before. It was absolutely insane. And even with them hitting like. 99% of the three-pointers, we still almost covered. Yeah, we had a chance almost. at the end. It was a couple possessions, but no, I agree. They got really, really lucky with that, and uh, I was kind of mad at you until the money line bet, so that like doubly made up for it, so yeah. thank you, Moo. I mean, a few people tweeted me that they lost their family's generational wealth, <laughs> so... That's not generational <laughs> wealth, then. I think they'll... <laughs> I think they'll like get they all got it back with the money line football, so that's good. Uh so yeah, no, Michigan tonight. Michigan tonight, you know, we had this game we had the game against Michigan and the game against Florida State. One of those two before we start conference play had to be a win. Unfortunately, Florida State got canceled. So for us, you know, with our RPI rank currently and in the Ken Palm, we need to win this game. Uh, tonight before we start American Conference play as just one of those resume builders yep. and a signature out-of-conference win. Now, there's a decent chance that we actually win this game. Michigan, not in the top 25, but they are receiving votes. I think they're 29 or 30. Uh, so this would be a nice quad one win. Um, also, the spread, it's only Michigan by three and a half, hmm? which is pretty crazy. Uh, on my on my power ranks and things, I have Michigan as a four point favorite. So no value in the line. It's pretty much right there. So it's definitely going to be a close game. Uh, Michigan. So need to pack. Even though they're not ranked, they're sixteenth in the Kempom. I mean that, which is better than the AP rankings, which are stupid. Hmm. Yeah, it, we're going to need a packed house, and uh, if everybody. For it to be super loud, so I've got Michigan just based off. I do the Kempom differential. They should be an eight-point favorite on a neutral site. So, hmm, interesting. I don't know. Yeah, we need to win that game though. It's definitely definitely winnable. So, 
Um, Other news this past week, uh, UCF hired an offensive coordinator, uh, former Troy head coach Chip Lindsey, who was also on Gus's staff um, in his days at Auburn. So a lot of questions around that. Uh, Gus kind of is the offensive coordinator and play caller. Do you think he's going to be... Giving up play calling duties is no. going to be maybe just influenced a little more by I, it'll be the, Chip Lindsay. It'll be the same as, you know, the guy we lost, uh, GJ or whatever. You know, this guy was part of Gus's staff. I'm sure it'll be the same as it was before. From everything I've read, he's a really brilliant offensive mind and great quarterback developer. You know, some people just can't make that transition to head coach, and that's kind of what happened to him at Troy. But I think we're really lucky to have him uh, as a part of this staff. You know, some people were saying KZ could have that job. I think it's a little bit of a uh, a stretch for a, a player to go straight into a role like that. And I think KZ himself would probably want to be like some kind of offensive analyst or grad assistant or quality control and earn his way up through coaching staffs. But right now, he you know he wants to try out for the NFL, and uh, I'm sure he'll he'll get in a camp or something like that. Get some looks and uh, yeah, but overall, I think it's a good hire. But Gus is not giving up the play calling in his lifetime ever. <laughs> that it, it, that's his thing. Like that's Gus's thing is play calling. Double offense. bubble Gus. So you know what's crazy is that I think you know if Casey if it doesn't work out in the NFL, you know where a lot of coaches actually start. And and I always look at like their coaching careers. And I'm like, oh well, how, you know, how did they get here? They start with high school. Which is nuts. And it's where I think Gus that, started. I think KZ would be an incredible high school coach. Just from like him being so personable with like the younger crowd, like him. I don't know, man. Like, I feel like it's so easy to just buy into anything that he says because he's so genuine. And yeah, I, I feel like if I was in high school and like KZ was my coach, like, I, I would just do anything. <laughs> I would go out there and destroy everything. <laughs> yeah. And high school is a much more level playing field. I mean, you hear stories, guys step in and turn, you know, two, two win programs and like 10 win programs in a year. Cause you don't have all the recruiting, all, all the, all the rah-rah and stuff around it. Um, it'll be, yeah. that's stuff. It's an angle. Like, I give haven't him thought two, of. Give him a season or two at high school. I mean, what is he like? 24, 23, something like maybe. that. Yeah. He has time. You know, like yeah. he doesn't have to become all, all this crazy stuff. Like I want him as OC. Even if it's 15 years from now and, and Gus is, is given us, you know, a national title or two or a couple more undefeated seasons. And, you know, Gus rides off into the, cause what's Gus like 55 ish. Something like that. Yeah. So he rides until 70, which by then 70 is not going to be that old anymore. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and then K- KZ steps in when he's, you know, 40 ish. Is that that bad? And then he's got us for another thirty plus years. I think it'll happen sooner than that. But I mean, that's the that's the next century. I want to I want to see him as our offensive coordinator in like you know six or seven years, and he's got to earn his way up to that. Whether that's starting in high school, which you know he can learn how to run an entire program that way, possibly, or by you know going up the ranks in in college coaching. Uh, we'll have to see, but it'll be exciting to uh, to follow his journey for sure. Um. All right. Last couple things. Jeff Scott wore Clemson stuff to the uh, Cheez-It Bowl that Clemson played in Orlando versus, I think, Iowa State. And a couple USF fans 
kind of lost their mind at him for, I don't know, representing his alma mater. He actually played, he was a wide receiver there for three years and uh, obviously was a coach for a while too. What were your thoughts on that? I think that's pretty ridiculous, right? I think it's a little ridiculous, but if you're the head coach of USF or, or any school for that matter, I don't care where your alma mater was. Like he should have at least worn like a white USF hat or something. <laughs> that's fair. And an orange shirt. I mean, really like you knew somebody was going to say something. You knew it. That's fair. I, you know, if, if I were a fan, I'd probably be like, if someone asked me, I'd be like, yeah, you should probably wear a USF hat with the Clemson stuff, but I wouldn't be publicly mad about it. Like, you, you can't trash your head coach, but, you know, that's why they're not us. And this so. is a completely different conversation if he was winning at USF, right? That's true. That's the uh, Winning, winning solves like everything. three games in the last three years. He was dealt a bad hand, man. That program was an absolute shambles. I think he's going to be all He right. was dealt a bad What do you think Scott Frost was dealt? We had a lot of but we had a lot of talent on that team though. That's the difference. We had a lot of good players. He did not. That <laughs> And how many seasons has he been in there? 3? That was his third year. Two seasons, dude. Okay. You got to have more than 2 wins. 3 wins. Like Jesus Lord. I don't know, man. Maybe maybe I'm being too nice. I think he's a good coach. I think he's, he's getting been a turnaround. way too nice. Whatever. I think he sucks. Um <laughs> real, real quick, though, on the topic, in the last four years, so since November 2018, I think uh, UCF's 4-0 at Raymond James, and USF is 2-12. and Very interesting. So, bounce house west. Very interesting. Um, you got anything else? Yeah, just to kind of wrap things up uh, with our fifth season. Is our fifth season? Uh, 18, yeah. 19, 20, 21. No. No, fourth, fourth season, going to fourth be our season, fifth. yeah, going to be our fifth. Um, we kind of do instead of years, we do it just as the football seasons because you know out of season we kind of only do about once a month or if there's you know a lot a lot of stuff going on. But just wanted to thank everyone uh, of you guys, the listeners, for for keeping us going, uh, interacting with us on Twitter, Instagram, on Facebook. Uh, we want to thank First Watch our our number one and only sponsor um but just wanted to make sure that you guys are are enjoying us and enjoying the whole ride of of ucf football and um no, i just really appreciate that all the fans listening and it's fun doing this you know we wouldn't keep doing this if it wasn't for the fans so just wanted to say thanks and thanks to you sean for you know, coming up with this whole idea of doing this four years ago, I really didn't think that <laughs> we would do this more than like a season or two, but or a sh- an episode or two. <laughs> yeah, it's something that that's really kept us close, and um, and we've stuck it out together. And I'm excited to keep going and see. You know, this really could start to flourish even more than it already has. So, especially with the program still growing and and go into the big 12 and everything so i really appreciate it man yeah dude and thanks and you know obviously so happy to have you as a co-host you didn't even think twice when i came up with the idea i know we kind of bounced around for a little bit and you're like yeah let's do it and i'm like i'm gonna call you money moo because that's gonna be fun and here we are um no it's been awesome and you know like you said thanks everyone for listening but um you know there was such a, a void in 
UCF content and media. And I still think there is. I mean, there's not a lot of stuff out there. There's some good stuff, but when you, you know, especially when we get matched up against the Gators, I start following Gator, you know, uh, people on Twitter and writers, and there's so many different media outlets and we'll be there someday. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think we just filled an empty space and we're just a fan perspective. Like we don't pretend to be anything else. We're not reporters. We're just fans and we give it to you how it is. And yeah, like you said, thanks for listening. Um, anything else? Oh, uh, did you see, uh, Harland, AKA or Parker Boudreaux, AKA Harland, his second appearance on, uh, NXT or whatever. I really enjoy watching him, man. He's funny. <laughs> so I didn't see the second appearance. I saw the first one. The second there. one was good too, man. I don't know. Growing up as a kid, like I used to be so into wrestling, and I tried to start getting into it again. Um, I don't know. Maybe it passed me as a as a fan, but it, it just it's it's definitely different now. I don't know. I, I guess I'd have to really. You can't just watch one episode and be right back into it. Like it, you got to know the storylines and all the stuff. story. Yeah. yeah, they got a good thing know, so going. Maybe... They got a good thing going with Harlan though. Like he doesn't talk. He's got like this one, this one guy that's like kind of his caretaker, and like tries to like calm him like, down. Uh, what was that back in the day? Undertaker and Paul Bearer. Yeah, yeah. Like it, Undertaker never talked. Yeah, it's kind of kind of like that, and then. After his match, both times he's like gone back after the guy when he was down, and then I think this one he tried to throw a guy off a roof after or something. I, it's it's been really really funny. Uh, oh, so he's just like a madman. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's entertaining though, man. <laughs> it's it's kind of it's kind of silly, kind of corny, but it's entertaining. And uh, I don't know. Check him out. Um, yeah. So I think that's it. Uh, thank you guys for listening. As always, another football season in the books, but uh, future is bright, like I always say. So go Knights. Charge on. Nation. Nation. Nation.